Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with... Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new and exciting in your world? Oh, I just love springtime in the Rockies. It's uh, galoshes and jackets on Monday, and here I am in a t-shirt on Wednesday. It's just amazing to be able to see that. And um, I was fortunate enough to spend Saturday at the Blended Learning Collaborative with Catlin Tucker, and she's one of the gurus of blended learning. Oh, I love Catlin Tucker. Uh, she's been to St. Rain a few times. Listeners, if you're looking to learn more about blended learning, hit up Rainwaves. It's a St. Vrain podcast, and Catlin is actually featured in one of their episodes. She was unbelievable. She just left everyone in awe. So we really enjoyed taking all that learning in on Saturday. And then we have just been watching Frozen 2 until it is ingrained in my brain with my two small <laughs> children. So, so they have been dancing around Elsa, awning it up um, nonstop since I went and scored the mom points getting it on the day it came out. Nice. <laughs> What's been going on in your world, Courtney? Just looking forward to spring break, trying to decide whether or not we want to travel or stay close to home due to the coronavirus. Um, It's looking more and more like we might stay local. Ooh, be brave or be safe, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. For both of us, life just gets so busy, doesn't it? In that vein, let's get to the portion of the podcast we like to call Coaching for the Coach. Okay, Courtney, let's dive in together. I know that you've been coaching a teacher who feels like they have low craftsmanship in teaching writing. Can you tell me a little bit more and tell me what are your goals for this teacher? Yeah, so I really want them to walk away from their lesson feeling efficacious about the delivery and the design of their lesson. So you're really wanting them to gain confidence in their instruction. Yeah, they need to feel good about their teaching that they're doing. So what data do you plan to collect to help um, him or her see their progress? Or what might success look like in your eyes for them? We're really working on using a pre-performance-based writing task and then giving the performance-based writing assessment at the end of the unit. And we'll also be using quick writes throughout the lesson as a midpoint check to see where students are. Success would look like students growing in their mastery of skill, along with the teacher being able to identify student strengths and areas of growth. So you're being super intentional in the formative data that you're collecting together so that you can um, effectively track student success as well as help the teacher own their own data. Yeah, I think it's important that students and teachers both understand where they are, where they want to be, and how we need to get them there. That makes total sense. So what are some strategies that you have used before with other educators who have low efficacy in an area, and how could you use those here? So in the past, I've worked uh, to make sure that teachers feel that they're stakeholders in their student success. This is especially important when they're building their classroom culture of growth mindset. We have also worked on engaging them in meaningful professional development opportunities where they can refine and build their skill set. Can you tell me some more specifics on how you helped them to refine and rebuild their skill set, as well as how you ensured that they felt the ownership over their students' success? 
So in the past, I've had teachers watch video of themselves to see what they're doing well or what's going well in their classroom. We've also worked on lesson planning through backward design to really set them up for success from the beginning, allowing teachers time to invest in their students and plan thoughtful scaffolds and support, help teachers feel that they have ownership over their student success. So you're making sure to partner with the teachers you work with in order to use multiple avenues to help raise their efficacy and make sure that they see the small successes over time and then help them to be able to build on those and reflect on those successes. If you think about that and are drawing from these past experiences and being mindful of this specific educator and and how her world is and how he or she operates, what do you want to be mindful of pressing forward with them? And what do you want to make sure that you're doing well in this process? I really want to make sure that I'm meeting each teacher where they are. Every classroom is different. Um, so is every teacher's needs. Uh, so we really need to be aware of that. We've been working to build a comfort level around viewing video to find out what's working well and what she'd like to change. I know that once she's able to step back and see what's going on, she'll get a really clear direction of where to take things. So you feel that video is a really um, strong strategy to help teachers pick out the good things they're doing daily, as well as to elevate their practices over time as they see things that they could adjust. Um, What are your hunches about how this teacher will, what they will see when they're viewing their video? What can you do through that process to help them raise their efficacy? I think that she's going to see that she's over scaffolding for her students and that they're ready to think at a higher level and take some risks. This is really a positive thing that her students are showing a readiness. Um, I think it's really hard to want to pull back those scaffolds from them. I think it will raise her efficacy and will continue to circle back uh, to what great things are happening in the classroom. I can hear that you have a really good base knowledge on this educator and that you have a pretty good read on what you think you'll see in that video. Um, You've also formulated a good plan as to how you want to guide her thinking moving forward in order for her to see those gains. Um, How has this coaching supported your thinking today? This conversation has made me realize the importance of celebrating success because that will often lead to elevation in practice in other areas. In previous episodes, we dug into the role of the coach and how coaching works. Did you know that coaching can also be used with students? Today, we have the passionate Susie Evans from Hygiene Elementary School. She is a guru in using coaching with her students, especially in the area of assessment. Welcome to C3, Susie. Thank you for joining us today to discuss how to utilize coaching in the classroom. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here with you both, and I would hardly classify myself as a guru, but I am really passionate about using coaching techniques with my students. Thanks for taking time away from your classroom and coming to talk to us. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with coaching? So for years, I was an actual coach for women's lacrosse, every age from six to high school players. And with that came all skill levels, um, children that had never seen it before to players that were at least as good as I was, if not significantly better. Um, and it gave me a great foundation for working with multiple ages and skill levels. And really the goal is how do I create a team that depends on each person giving it their all. And then in my teaching career, I've been a mentor teacher for new staff at my various schools. That wealth of knowledge you bring, I'm sure, makes it so much easier to infuse coaching into your classroom. 
Yeah, it's fun to see the evolution of coaching that you've had. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about what motivated you to jump into the cognitive coaching training and into that realm. And how has that training impacted your instructional practices with your students? So my motivation really came when I began to focus on student agency. Every year I would set a goal to refine my craft in some way or focus on something in particular. Maybe it was my use of cooperative learning structures or using more language in math. And a couple years ago, I was really laser focused on student agency and how I might develop students' feelings of empowerment, sort of moving from what I can do to what they can do. And I came around to cognitive coaching if students are to feel more efficacy and create, then they're going to need to reflect and set goals and feel inspired to drive their own learning. Your students are so lucky to be in your classroom to feel empowered. That's not often an experience that every student gets to have. I know you consider yourself a facilitator for students to drive their own learning. Can you tell us more about this? Yes, I think if you come in my room, you would see a more directing traffic than up in front of the room. The majority of the work, the talking and the thinking is done by the students. There's lots of cooperative learning structures happening and students up at the board and moving around. And it's a little controlled chaos for sure. Um, and that is not for everyone. Um, nor is this the only way to implement coaching techniques or create agency. I, I want to be very clear about that. It can be implemented with lots of different teaching styles, but I just felt that I needed to let go a bit in order to promote more student-driven learning. So you really wanted to make sure that they had that independence and also the support and scaffolds to be successful. Exactly. You truly have this growth mindset and you're trying to embed that in your students. Can you speak to how you really helped tailor this for your students and have them adopt that mindset of a growth mentality as well? Yes, I really believe that the growth mindset is the foundation for creating agency and implementing coaching. I think if students are to reflect and use metacognition and set goals, then first they need to live in an environment that feels safe and where process is embraced. And as we know, learning is going to involve setbacks and bumps. And if those mistakes and struggles are celebrated, then students look for praise less and seek out challenges and risks more. I also do a ton of explaining about brain research, even in first grade. Obviously, the language is something that they has to be something they can understand. But you can hear 20 times a day in my room, not just, oh, I made a mistake, but even Mrs. Evans, I just made a neuron connection. So Whoa. really explaining to them the research behind brain development and growth mindset, it, it is understandable even at six or seven. I would love to see your next brain conversation with your students. So I mean, it's just really fun. Yeah. How do you help facilitate students coaching other students? I love this question so much. Um, again, creating a safe place in the room where we celebrate differences and struggles and talk about how we all have different strengths as opposed to allowing things to define us or rank us allows students to not only coach each other, but be vulnerable with each other. For example, before math tests, I try to narrow down three or four areas that I've noticed are giving kids trouble. Mm -hmm. And I create study groups based on those three areas. And I have students decide for themselves what they want to review. And other students are in charge of those groups of helping peer 
peer mentoring um, because they can probably connect and explain peer to peer better better than I can. Um, what we see is that it not it's not always the same students that are in charge. The students that are great at algebraic thinking may not be the same that are strong in in say shapes. So we see a real rotation of leadership roles and learning roles, and that builds efficacy in the whole group. I love that you're providing those opportunities um, where students get to have different leadership roles because everyone has a way to shine. It's just a matter of finding what that time and place might be for them to take on that leadership role. Exactly. Absolutely. And Susie, I know from supporting some professional development sessions with you that you're very careful with the types of feedback that you utilize with your students. Can you explain the shift you had with your thinking around this or tell us how this has impacted your classroom culture? Utilizing effective feedback and being conscious of judgment and personal observation feedback versus using data-driven and reflective feedback, I think has been one of the biggest game changers for my teaching. It really has moved me from what I teach to more towards how I teach. And when I've seen data-driven and reflective when I've been using data-driven and reflective feedback, it helps create learners who assess themselves versus students who wait to be praised or graded. Um, Violet, you and I have talked so much about this, not to say you don't ever say, oh, Emma, I love your new haircut. Um, we are trying to develop relationships with kids, but being conscious of when you use that language, I think is really key. Like, you know, first thing in the morning and, and in the hallways. And But when you're in a moment of evaluating work or before testing, using reflective feedback, like what observations have you made about yourself that you're going to try and be aware of during this test, right? And hopefully they're saying things like, oh, I tend to rush or I'm not, you know, paying attention to the question exactly. And then pushing them to say what strategies might you use to keep from rushing and hopefully they're going to come to deep breaths or counting in between questions. And what I've seen is using that kind of feedback, my class has become super aware of their learning preferences and what distracts them or what helps them. And they usually problem solve instead of waiting for me to tell them what to do. What a head start you're giving your first graders. They're having these types of conversations with you in first grade. I only wish I could go back in time and have had um, a first grade experience like that because I can only imagine where it would set us up as professionals. What advice would you give to a classroom teacher who wants to start incorporating coaching with their students? I would say not underestimating students would be the first piece of advice I would give them just because you need to scaffold more or scaffold differently, especially for younger students, doesn't mean that you can't implement coaching or challenge them. Or like you said, do metacognition with first graders. I mean, the goal is that that when they get to fourth grade or fifth grade, they're already so in tune with themselves as a learner that then they're tackling bigger problems. I think it just takes backward planning, just like everything else. So putting in that investment can be really 
really huge. Yes, early. Run. Yes. Well, Susie, we are so excited that we got to learn so much from you and hear a little a little smidgen as to how you do this in your classroom. We're going to move to our rapid fire questions. Ah, so fun. So if you're ready for this portion <laughs> of the pod, um, we are going to do your questions in 30 seconds or less. Oh my gosh. Okay. Roughly. I so feel like I'm on Jeopardy. Oh, <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely Instead win. of Alec Trebek, though, it's like David Baker, right? Do, 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 do. <laughs> so tell us first, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Definitely students wait to be assessed and learners assess themselves. It drives every decision I make. Am I creating learners? Am I being a learner? For sure. Love that. Love that. So tell me the last one is what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move with your students? I would say literally asking them what they need. So do you need me to listen? Do you need me to suggest? Do you want to work on this by yourself? Or do you need me to solve in this moment? And I have found the more coaching I use, the more often they choose, I want to work on it, even if it's hard. So your first graders really have quite a lot of grit and you've built that over time with them. It is powerful to hear your journey in this. Thank you. It's been so much fun to use coaching with my students. I love going to school every day. Your excitement and energy is tangible, and we're just so lucky to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. You're yes, welcome. Thank you. thank you for having me. Like I said earlier, what a gift Susie is giving her first graders. I can only imagine how they will view education as they move through the grades. Have you ever thought that coaching could be used with students? Hopefully you feel inspired as we are. We challenge you to take an opportunity to coach a student through something or provide them with intentional feedback. Let's start a student coaching revolution. Have you coached a student today? Tweet us at C3Coaches and share out what topic you coached a student about. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?